of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Worthy of every praise we could ever bring. We live for you. We live for you.
morning church. I'm here to lead us in the pastoral prayer this morning. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Father, we give you thanks for all of your goodness, Lord God, for all of your mercies, your kindness towards us. Where would we be without your love, Lord God? We come to you today giving praise, Lord God, for all of your mighty and wondrous works, Lord God, for all of your thoughts towards us, Lord. We are careful, Lord God, to remember that without you we are nothing, Lord God. You are our everything. You are our source, Lord God. You are our protector. You are our shield. You are our buckler, and you are our saviour. And Lord God, for that, we give you thanks this morning. We give you praise, Lord God, in the knowledge, Lord God, that without you we are lost, and undone. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, as we navigate through this current period, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for being a guide. We thank you for your word being, hallelujah, light to our feet and a lamp to our path, Lord. We thank you for your care and keeping, for your covering over each and every one of us, over our families. Lord God. But Lord God, we are not ignorant, Lord God, of those who have gone on, Lord God, before us in this time. For those who are suffering, for those who are bereaved, Lord, even amongst our own church family. We remember them before you this morning. Those who, Lord God, are crying and are grieving right now. We just pray, Holy Spirit, for your comfort. We pray for your peace. We pray for your love. We pray for your overshadowing. We pray, Lord God, that you would take them up and cover them under your wings, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord God, we pray for those who may be struggling mentally, Lord God, dealing with issues of isolation and loneliness, Lord. We put them before you, Lord God, knowing that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lord God, that you are always with us, wherever we are. We are never alone. Hallelujah. We pray for your comfort and your presence, Lord God, 
to envelop those who might be feeling left aside, Lord God, that might be feeling forgotten right now. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would sit, Lord God, wherever they are. Know that, let them know that you are with them, Lord God. Hallelujah. Always watching over, always guiding, always keeping, always working, Lord God, for our good. Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord God, for our leadership. We pray for Bishop King and family. We pray for our ministers, our deacons, our heads of department, Lord God, as we go through this period, Lord God, where we are not able to meet one with another. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them, Lord God, wisdom. Hallelujah. Let Hallelujah. Let us have the presence of mind to be able to minister to the needs of the people, even in this setting, Lord God, this unusual place that we find ourselves in, Lord God. You are still on the job. You are still inspiring. You are still speaking to your people and to your leaders. And I thank you, Lord God, for continuing, Lord God, to pour out of your will and of your heart, Lord God, in the hearts of men and women who have given their lives to serve you. Lord Jesus, we continue to pray for our government and our leaders, our medical leaders at this time, Lord. Grant them wisdom also. Help them to realize that you are in control, that you are in charge, that you are a healer, Lord God, and nothing happens outside of your will and outside of your remit. You are in control. And Lord God, as we acknowledge you, you give light to our paths. You open our eyes. You help us to see that which is not able to be seen with fleshly eyes. And we thank you for placing people of influence around our leaders that know you, that know your heart. Hallelujah. That will speak your truth, Lord God, into the hearts of those who are leading us through this pandemic. Hallelujah. We just thank you for all of your many gifts towards each and every one of us. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are, still have reasons to be joyful. We still have reasons to smile. We still have reasons, Lord God, to praise you and to lift your name up. We still have joy. We still have your peace. Thank you, Lord God, for this and so many other blessings that you pour out on us every single day. Amen. Good morning, Harvest Temple family. I hope you are well uh, and enjoying the blessings of the Lord. This indeed is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, it's a honour and a privilege, but always kind of scary to be bringing the word um, to you. And today I'll be speaking primarily from First Kings chapter 17. Uh, so if you if you have your Bibles or your apps, if you want to turn to that, and we're going to be looking at First Kings chapter 17. And I'm just going to go straight in uh, to the reading. Obviously, just want to greet Bishop uh, Reuben King, Sister King, and all the leadership here, and all of our all of you, our friends, um, our family, our loved ones here at Harvest Temple. God bless you. So the passage reads like this. And Elijah, the Tishabite, 
of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from that brook. And I have commanded the the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the, until the, day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Father God, we just thank you this morning. We thank you that you are God, that you are sovereign, that you are king above the flood, that you are king above the drought, Lord, and whatever it is that we're experiencing, that you are God above it all. Lord, so we ask that as we just spend time looking into your word, I pray, God, that you would uh, encourage our hearts, Lord, that you would increase our faith, Lord, that you would just uh, increase our devotion and fix our eyes uh, on you and let our heart beat in rhythm with your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless God. So here we see the beginnings of the prophet, the great prophet Elijah. And Elijah bursts onto the scene in this chapter, 1 Kings 17. And he proclaims a drought over the land of Israel. And he says to the king at the time, King Ahab, that as the Lord God of Israel lives, that there shall be not any dew or any rain on the land except at my word. This was a man full 
we're full of power, empowered by the Holy Spirit in relationship with God and walking with God. And he comes and he speaks to the king. And this just wasn't just any old king. But um, the book of Kings tells us that Ahab was the worst of all the kings. There were kings that had come before him that had done wrong in the sight of the Lord. But it says of Ahab specifically that Ahab did more to dishonor the name of the Lord than all of the kings that had gone before him. He was a formidable man. But a formidable man is no uh, is no fight for a powerful and omnipotent God and the God that we serve. So Elijah comes on the scene and he declares that there's going to be a drought in the land. And then um, he goes away and God tells him, God directs him where to go, where to find sustenance, where to find water. He says, go by the brook. And he goes by the brook and he drinks from the brook. And uh, God says, the ravens are going to feed you. And the ravens came and they fed him um, at the brook. And then the brook eventually dried up. And then he goes and um, he meets a woman from Zarephath. He goes to Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon. And he meets a woman, a widow at Zarephath, a widow who has, it's just, it's just her and her son. And the situation had already become so desperate in that land at this time that, the, that all of the, uh, the produce and all the things were kind of at short supply. And this woman was in a desperate situation. She was at the point where she had the last little bit of food in her house and she knew that this was the last meal that they were going to eat that it was time to cook this meal, they were going to eat it, and eventually they were going to die. It's a desperate and dark situation that the woman finds herself in. But God sends the man of God to the woman, and the word of God uh, to Elijah is that I will, I will um, send provision for you. I will send someone to feed you when you get to Zarephath. He says, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Um, and you know, I don't know if you're like me, <laughs> but when I, when I read that and when I read that back, if we're in the middle of a drought and God has provided water and he's provided ravens, uh, to, to feed you and you know, God is, God is looking after you and he's got your back. And then he says, oh yeah, I'm going to, um, I'm going to provide food for you by a widow. And in my mind, I'd probably be expecting, you know, like one of the mothers of the church that this widow, she's got the, she's got some chicken going, she's got some curry goat going, she's got some rice and peas. Um, and God is gonna, God is gonna nice me when I go meet this widow. But Elijah goes to meet the widow only to find that all she has left is the, the ingredients to make one fried dumpling. Not a batch of dumplings, but just one fried dumpling. And she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook this. Me and my son are going to eat this and we're going to die. But the Lord had already made provision for Elijah and for the woman. The provision didn't look like either of them expected it to look. The, woman had, the woman's expectation was that she was going to eat this and die. But Elijah's expectation was different because he'd heard a word from the Lord. He'd heard something from God. His expectation was different. His expectation was that the Lord would provide. I want to ask you this morning, what is your expectation? 
What is your expectation of God in this season? The situation, as I said, the situation of the widow is absolutely desperate. But God sends along the man of God. And then he presents, God presents with her an opportunity to be blessed. But the first thing that she's got to do is do something that's sacrificial for her. The first thing that she has to do to enter into the blessing is to do something that is faith-fueled and to do something that is self-sacrificing. She knew that she's going to eat this food and die, but the man of God says, okay, you know what, fetch me a cup of water and then make me something to eat. And she says, I've just got this little bit left and me and my son are going to eat it and die. And he says, make the cake for me first. Imagine the faith that it would have took for that woman to go and take that oil and take that flour and mix that flour, knowing, looking at her son, who's probably already at the point of starvation, looking at her son and seeing him starve, but saying, I heard a word from the Lord on this. I heard a word from God and I'm going to be obedient to that word. And so she, she is obedient to the word. And the miracle is that the jar of, of, the jar of oil and the jar of flour don't run out. Now, what I found interesting when I was reading this is that often we expect God to do miracles of abundance. You know, like when Jesus turned the water uh, into wine at the wedding, he didn't just produce kind of, uh, you know, kind of meager wine, but, he, but they filled up a whole heap of jars and the wine that was produced was the best wine. We, we, you know, we, we talk about Psalms 23, that, the, that he anoints our head with oil and our cups run over. And we expect God to bless us in abundance. But what happens when God chooses to bless us at the very, at the very end of ourselves? Now, the reason why this is significant is because there are many people, it might not be you, it might be you, it might not be you, but it might be your neighbor, it might be your sister, it might be your brother, that this pandemic has brought them to the end of themselves. And they feel like they've got nothing left. You feel like you've got nothing left that you can give. You feel like you're down to your last drop. The kids are getting onto your nerves. The bills are coming in. You don't know uh, what your work situation is going to look like. Maybe you're still on furlough after all of this time. You don't know if you're going to have a job to go back to. Maybe you've been made redundant. Maybe you're just picking up little jobs here and there. Maybe you're already on benefits, and you, but you just don't know. And you feel like you're at the end of yourself. But hallelujah, just when this woman was at the end of herself, that's when God came in. God came in. The representative of God came in, 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 in the, the person that was Elijah. The person of God came into her life with a word from God, not just for him, but a word for him and for her. And the word caused her to do something sacrificial. The word caused her to do something sacrificial. But as she was obedient to God's word in denying herself and doing, and doing what God had said, she then began to see a miracle. But as I said, we often, see, we often think that God's going to bless us in abundance. But what's interesting is that God doesn't fill up the jar of flour and he doesn't fill up the vat of oil. But there is just, a, just that same little amount that's left 
it says that the jar doesn't run out. It didn't say that the jars fill, fill themselves up, but it says that the jars don't run out. That means in this miracle, every time she went to make her and her son a meal, it was still a continued act of faith. Every time that she went to make another cake, another dumpling, that it was a continued act of faith because she knew that what it looks like isn't what it is. It doesn't look like there's enough to sustain us. It doesn't look like there's enough to keep us. It doesn't look like there's enough to keep us going. But in faith, she continued and God continued to bless and God continued to work. It's interesting that in the midst of a pandemic, when it feels like we've all maybe lost so much, but we're all making sacrifices. We're all making sacrifices for the benefit of one another. We're staying in our homes. We're not socializing. And we're obeying the guidelines. I hope that we're obeying the guidelines. And we're doing all of this stuff in the, in the aim to sustain life in the aim to sustain the life, the lives of um, our families, our friends, and the, peoples around, the people around us, the people in our communities. So it feels like we've sacri- we're sacrificing a lot and we're giving up a lot. And um, it kind of links to this story because this is where the woman is. She's at this place of sacrifice. And what I was thinking is that, um, kids, you'll be excited to hear that on Tuesday is Shrove Tuesday. It's Pancake Day. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of, we love Pancake Day in my house. I don't know if you <laughs> love Pancake Day. But uh, Pancake Day is obviously the, the kind of the last day where we, where we use up all the kind of sweet stuff and all the ingredients um, in our house in, in preparation for fasting. And in the uh, Christian calendar, in the Anglican calendar, they celebrate this time of Lent. And Lent is the time that represents the the 40 days that Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized. Um, And he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. And in Lent, it's common that people give up things. People, uh, you know, give up uh, stuff like chocolate or sweets. Or maybe people try to stop smoking or maybe people try to stop drinking. Um, And they give up this, uh, they give up something that kind of maybe a vice or something that they're attached to. And they give it up over these 40 days or 46 days because they're kind of, you get the weekends off. (laughs) Um, But they give up this time. And um, it's interesting that fasting has become a real kind of phenomenon uh, in the world right now. Like uh, the, there are health gurus, gurus talking about the benefits of um, intermittent fasting. Um, in the church, you know, it's, it's kind of customary now that in ev- evangelical circles, that at the beginning of the year, at some point in January or February, we go on a 21-day fast or a 40-day fast. Um, and a lot of things are linked to the fast, you know. Obviously, we believe that fasting is something that we do where we deny ourselves so that, and, and take time and spend time with God so that we can grow closer to God. But the, the, there, are by, there are kind of byproducts of fasting. Uh, so fasting has kind of become uh, popular. It's almost become big business because uh, with fasting, 
Yes, there's a spiritual element, but there's also a physical element. You can, you can do your fasting, you can lose weight, you can become healthier, you can detox, you can cleanse, you can do all of this stuff. And um, it's interesting that something that is about denying ourselves and being kind of sacrificial has almost become something that we're more uh, focused on the payoff. We're more focused on the byproduct than we are on what the heart of the thing is itself. Does that make sense? I hope it does. You can put it in the chat if you're, if you're still with me. Um, but God speaks of fasting in Isaiah 58. And um, it's, very, it's very different to the type of fasting that we see today. As I said, it's kind of become popular. It's kind of become hip. It's become a thing, especially even in Christian circles, maybe not so much in, in our denomination, but in other Christian circles, it's a thing where, you know, what are you giving up for Lent? And what are you doing for Lent? I'm giving up this, I'm giving up that, I'm giving up coffee, I'm giving up chocolate, whatever, whatever. And it's kind of a cool thing. But Isaiah um, 58 um, and I'm going to turn there, Isaiah 58 from verse 6 to 9. It talks about the fast that the Lord has chosen. And uh, whilst my iPad, my technology catches up with me, because it's being slow. <laughs> yeah. So Isaiah 58, and, it's, and it reads uh, like this. I'm going to read from verse 6. God says, is, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail hallelujah God looks at fasting very differently to how the world looks at fasting today it's not, a, it's not a, just a, a kind of scheme to lose weight. <laughs> it's not something that's just about becoming more physically health, healthy. It's not something that you kind of compare notes with, with your friends. But actually, in denying ourselves and drawing close to God, there should be a byproduct of that that's not just about as I say, losing weight and getting fit quick and all that kind of stuff. But the byproduct of it is that our hearts begin to beat in line with the heart of God. And our eyes become more attuned to those who are hurting and to those who are in need and those who are in um, situations of desperateness around us. Our eyes become open to the widows and the orphans. 
Hallelujah. Our eyes become open to the prophets, maybe who are in a time of drought and, and, and looking for maybe a word. Our eyes become open to those in need around us. And the word speaks of the benefits of this fast. The benefits of this type of fast is about God drawing near to us, about God uh, blessing us and God kind of showing his, showing his presence evident in our lives and evident in our person. And you know what? The, the great thing about when God shines on us, it's not so we can say, wow, look how great I am because it's, the light is not our own. But it's a fact that the light shines on us and we point it back to God and say, the only reason that I am prospering in a time of drought, the only reason that I am prospering in a time of sacrifice, the only reason that I am being blessed, even though it, it, I was at the end of myself, I was at the last that I could give and I chose to give sac sacrificially. And it looks like I should have been out of pocket. But instead, you see God blessing me with his presence. God blessing me in ways that you can't even quite put your finger on him and put your hand in. But God is with me. And God is anointing me. And God is keeping me. And God is satisfying my soul in the time of drought. God is satisfying my soul in the time of lockdown. God is satisfying my soul. So my hope is not in the government. My hope is not in the vaccine. My hope is not in this or in that. You know, all of these things, all of these people are working hard to ensure that, that we're well and that we get through this pandemic and we need to pray for them and bless God for uh, the vaccines and the medicines that are coming on board. But actually, our hope isn't fixed on those things, but our hope is fixed on God. Our eyes are fixed on God. And I wonder, as, and I know that as a, as a church, as a denomination, we don't really um, celebrate Lent. But I wonder if over this season that we could begin to pray, God, would you open our eyes to the hurting amongst us? God, even in this time of lockdown, when we're restricted in what we can do and where we can go and who we can see, God, will you uh, put burdens on our heart? Will you kind of give us words of wisdom for people on our street, for people in our communities, for people uh, in our lives who need help, who need us to give of ourselves to them? Even though we might feel like we've got nothing left and that we're at the end of our jars, I believe that God is saying that when you begin to pour out of your jar, instead of complaining about who's not ringing you, pick up your phone and call somebody with a, with a word of blessing for them. Instead of complaining about what, what you're not getting, hallelujah, look at what you can give. I wonder if God could posture our hearts in that place in this season. Hallelujah. Believe it or not, church, the world is looking to us in this time of pandemic. They're looking to us for solutions. They might not be saying it. They might not be actively talking about it, but they're looking at our witness. What does our witness look like? Where, where is God in this? And they're going to see God through our hands and through our feet, through us. And you know what's interesting is that in that, in, in that story, Elijah being the representative of God on earth, the, 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 the prophet, the person who was the mouthpiece of God on earth. He was the one that needed serving. He was the one that needed uh, the, the widow to give something of herself to him. But when we look at the New Testament, God flips the script 
And, and in James, it talks about, and throughout the uh, New Testament, it talks about the importance of us uh, looking out for the widow and the orphan. <laughs> From this one widow sacrifice, hallelujah, God, God, is not, uh, God is never not mindful of the widows and the orphans. And he says that it's our job to bless them. And the widows and the orphans aren't just, you know, women whose husbands have died or without husbands and children without fathers. It is definitely them. But it's, it's those that are disconnected from community, those that are disconnected from society, those that are kind of without a lifeline. They're just going to be left to, to fight it on their own. And, and God, is, God is saying we need to look out for those people. We need to look out for those individuals. But it flips it in the fact that Elijah was the man of God that needed serving. But then Jesus comes as the man of God, God the, the God man who didn't come to be served, but came to serve. And he is the one that made the sacrifice. And it wasn't flour and oil, but he came and he gave his life. He gave his everything. He gave his life on Calvary. And the Bible says that he was poured out. It's like he was poured out like a drink offering. And the cup of the life and the blood of Jesus was poured out. But I want to say to you in the spirit, the cup was poured out and there was a last drip. You know, when you pour, when you pour something out and there's just those last dregs that, that drop out. But in the spirit, it's as if the cup is tilted, but the blood is still dripping. The blood is the, just like the oil and, and, and the flour didn't run out. The blood has not run out. The blood has not lost its power. When Jesus died on the cross, the blood was sufficient so that we, uh, 2000 plus years later, in 2021, in the midst of a, of a pandemic, can apply to the blood. If we're weary, if we're tired, if we're hungry, if we're thirsty, if we're confused, if we're going crazy, we can apply to the blood because the blood does not run out. And in the blood, there is sustenance for our souls. In the blood, there is healing. Hallelujah, for our troubled minds in the blood there is healing for us. There is healing virtue in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And this morning we can apply to that same blood. We can apply to that same blood. We can apply to that blood for our sin. We can apply to that blood for our sickness. We can apply to that blood for our worries and our concerns. And we can lay every burden that we have at the feet of Jesus, knowing that the blood is able to cleanse, knowing that the blood is able to set right, knowing that the blood is able to protect, knowing that the blood is able to keep, knowing that the blood is able to sustain, hallelujah the blood of Jesus Jesus is the cup that never runs dry Jesus is the fulfillment of every story every promise and every line of the Old Testament just like Bishop Reuben said last week Jesus is the fulfillment of it all but it is a more, it is like Hebrews tells us, it's a better fulfillment. It's a better promise. It's a better story. It's a better narrative. It's a better hope. Because ultimately that woman, she ate of that bread and she ate of that oil, but eventually the rain came and, uh, and, and you know, she was able to get on with her life, but she grew old and she died. But in the blood of Jesus, we can apply to the blood for forgiveness of our sins.
Hallelujah. And when we apply to the blood for forgiveness of our sins, hallelujah, when we believe in Jesus, when we believe that Jesus died for us, hallelujah, and he rose from the dead and he and he's risen to be at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us. When we believe in the gospel, the Bible says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, life eternal. And not just, uh, we're not just having hope for the beyond. Hallelujah. A friend, of, a friend of mine, Matt Summerfield says, it's not just pie in the sky when you die, but it's cake on your plate while you wait. He says that he's come that we might have life here on earth and have it more abundantly. And once we've lived this abundant life, even through the hardships and even through the pain, we have this peace that surpasses all understanding, this joy unspeakable and full of glory, this, this kind of this treasure in earth and vessels that keeps us going, even when it feels like life is kicking us down and knocking us down, we keep getting back up. And we can live life in that way with an assurance and a hope that God is with us and God is guiding us. But also we know that when we die, that it's not the end. But we get to spend eternity with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank God for the sacrifice that he made for us. And as Jesus people, as kingdom people, I'm praying that God, you touch my heart. You touch my heart that I might have a heart to make sacrifices for others, for those that are in need around me. St. Francis of Assisi said, make me a channel of your peace. God, would you make us conduits of your peace, of your love, of your grace, of your goodness, that even in this time of pandemic when people are experiencing lack and all sorts of uh, negative things, that we would be a blessing to them and that at that you know, that our sacrifice was caused your light to shine on us. And when they kind of say, what is it that's different about you? That we point them to you, our father in heaven and point them to Jesus and let them know that there is life in abundance in you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you today. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, God, that you are the cup that never runs dry. We thank you that you are the ultimate miracle. We thank you, God, that today we can apply to the blood those of us that are weary, those of us that are heavy laden, those of us that feel that we can't go on. We know, God, that your your strength is made perfect in our weakness. God, so we stand before you and we ask for an endowment of power. Lord, we ask, oh God, that we might that we might partake of the cup that never runs dry. Lord, that we might apply to the to the blood, Lord, for our families, for our children, Lord God, and for everything that concerns us, Lord, but that not that we would just be consumed by ourselves and our own needs, but that you would give us eyes to see the hurting around us and that we would be your hands extended, reaching out to the oppressed. Lord, and for those that don't know you, Lord, I thank you, God, that they can come to you that they can apply to your blood, that they can believe in you and be saved. Lord, I pray, God, that this morning that you would turn hearts, eyes and minds to you. Lord, and that you would allow someone to enter into this abundant life that you've promised us. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
you've listened to the podcast and you want to start or renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. First of all, may I congratulate you. You've made the best decision you could ever make. There are three easy steps. Number one, ask for forgiveness. There'll be a prayer at the end of this for you to say, if you're not sure how to say it. Number two, believe that your prayer has been heard and it's been answered by God. Number three, confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. That too will be in the prayer. After the prayer, there'll be some contact details for you to use. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, loving, gentle, caring and kind, you gave your life for me. As a sinner, I come to you. Please forgive me, Lord, of every sin I have ever done. Things I have said, evil thoughts I've had and things that I did to make you unhappy. Lord, I invite you now to take control of my life, that I may be the person you want me to be and the person you created me to be. I believe your words, that your blood at the cross washed away all my sins and has cleansed me and set me free so that I can live with you eternally. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and for dying for me. I thank you for cleansing me and setting me free. I love you, Lord, and confess that you are my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've said that prayer and believe it, welcome into the family of God. You are now a born-again Christian. I celebrate with you that you've decided to follow Jesus. Here are some contact details for you to contact us if you need help or support during this time. Looking forward to meeting with you. Take care, keep safe and keep well. God bless.
Are you a new or young Christian? Have you been thinking about taking membership at New Testament Church of God? Are you a seasoned Christian with a heart to disciple others? Why not join our new intake of relational discipleship? Starting mid-February 2021, Sunday mornings at 11am. The cost of the course book is £23.75. For more information, please contact info at ntcgharvesttemple.org.uk. Thank you.